Coming up on Marriage Today with Jimmy and Karen. God created the world with his words and we create our world with our words. We really do. The atmosphere of our home is created by the words that we speak or don't speak. And so when you find a loving home with a good, intimate marriage, you're just looking at a home where there's a lot of loving words that are spoken. When you have issues come up, make them short and simple. You know, if something's bothering me, don't let it go on and on. Just say, you know, short accounts, keep my heart pure, and then just talk about it in a normal way. Every good marriage is the product of many good words. And every bad marriage is the result of bad words or no no words. You have to speak a lot of good words to create a good marriage. Well, you fell in love because you said good things to each other. You always do. And so you're careful, you're patient, uh, and you speak very premeditatedly to bring a right result. And when we secure the relationship and life happens... Many times we get into some bad habits and things like that. But the words that we speak create our home. You know, God created the world with his words, and we create our world with our words. We really do. The atmosphere of our home is created by the words that we speak or don't speak. And so when you find a loving home with a good, intimate marriage, you're just looking at a home where there's a lot of loving words that are spoken, healthy communication, positive communication, But when you come into an angry environment or dysfunctional environment, you have certain things that are are present. And I want to talk about the five main roots of bad communication in marriage. Now, we're going to talk about roots and fruits. We're going to talk about the root issue, but then because this root exists, how it manifests itself within our, our marriage so that we can be healed, so that we can change certain things and have functional communication. The number one root of negative communication in marriage is iniquities and negative role models. Okay, now, We learn from our parents, you know, when little children are growing up, the recorder is going, you wish it weren't. Okay, But the recorder is going. We, pr- parents are the most profound influence on children, period. Children are profoundly influenced by their parents. But when you're going through conflict, children are learning to go through conflict. When you're dealing with each other's differences or dealing with other people, they're, they're listening to what you're saying. And we have a tendency to do what our parents did, even if you don't like it. My dad was a finger snapper. And when he got mad at us, you know, he would, he called us little man, little man. My brothers and I call each other little man, because little man, I hated that. And when my dad snapped his fingers at me, I thought, you know, I hate getting, you know, a finger snapped at me. When our children were born, when Julie, our daughter, she was the first born, and she did something one day, and I went, hey, it just went off. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think about it. I didn't try to make it happen. It just, and I thought, what, you know, what are you doing here? And so here's the answer for iniquities and bad role models. When you, when you look into your past, maybe your recent past or your distant past, and you realize you have the, that iniquity, you recognize it. Another way to say this is, if I have a bad way of talking, where'd this come from? How did I develop this? Did my father do this? Did my mother do this? Did my friends do this? Have I seen this in the movies? Where did did I get this? And I've got to admit it and call it what it is. It's wrong. 
You know, hatefulness is wrong. Meanness is wrong. Sarcasm is wrong. Silence is wrong. Punishing my spouse with silence. We're just not talking. Those things are wrong. And the second thing is forgive the person that did it to you. If it's your mom and dad, whatever, you forgive that person. But see, it's like this. How does something bent become straight? And I'll answer the question. By submitting it to Jesus. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will lead you into all truth. Okay. The day that Karen and I almost split up, I woke up that morning and I read John 16. And Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will lead you into all truth. I told Karen, Karen stood up to me that night, told me she didn't want me to play golf, began to complain to me. She was righteous about it, but she was standing up to me. I told her to get out of the house. I went in the living room and I sat down and I said this, Holy Spirit, teach me how to be a husband. And everything I teach men today is what the Holy Spirit taught me. He can teach you anything. And when you, you don't, I don't know how to talk. I didn't know how to talk. I was a terrible, terrible communicator. Holy Spirit, teach me how, how to talk. And here's what happens. See, Jesus isn't bent. Jesus is straight. When children are raised according to the word of God, they grow up straight. They grow up righteous. It's only sin that bends us, whether it's societal sin or family sin. And so we bring that, we bring that to the Lord and say, I submit this to you. All the pain, all the hurt that comes with it, I forgive. But I pray that you would heal me and cause me to be straight. And what happens is, again, Karen and I want to be the end of all iniquities in our families. We don't want to carry any trash and give it to our children and grandchildren. We want to be the disposal that gets rid of it by the blood of Jesus. Another root of dysfunctional communication is unforgiveness and unhealed hurts. And there's the old saying that hurt, hurt people hurt people. And it really is true that when you're hurting, a lot of times you have the highest incidence of hurting other people. Now, let me, let me say this. There, there are people that I have known in my life that I, I pray that I'm never around again. Because they have the most damaging mouths of anyone I've ever been around. And I know every time I'm around them, I'm going to get damaged. I'm going to get slimed. Anybody, anybody know somebody like that? You know when they walk up, you're going to get slimed. In every case, they were wounded as a child. And, and they don't hide it. They wear it. They wear it like a badge. Somebody hurt me. Somebody was mean to me. My daddy, my stepdaddy, my mama, my friend, whatever. I got hurt. And it's almost like an entitlement that they hurt other people. Okay. But because they're hurting. And here's some of the fruits. The root is unforgiveness. I've been damaged. I'm, I'm, I'm venting because of damage has been done to me. Public venting is a fruit of this. And that is, I love to get into public and to let this thing out. Okay. It's not a private thing. It's a public thing. And even related to my spouse. Now, some of you may have relatives that maybe are friends and you get together and their spouse trashes the other spouse in public. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. This is a person that likes a platform. They like a stage. And they're hurting. There's, there's unforgiveness. See, unforgiveness is like a teapot. It's going to whistle. It, it's the, the, what, the pressure that's building up through my anger has got to find a way out. Okay, Whether it's self-harm or harming somebody else, or whatever I say. And so what this is, is this is a venting of this unforgiveness and of this, this you know, thing that's going on inside of me. And here is the, here's the standard. 
we always honor each other in public. And again, this goes back to maybe your mom does this to your dad or your dad does this to your mom or your friends do this or whatever. If I've got something to say to Karen, I'm going to say it to her in private. But I'm not going to wait till we get in a public place to begin to trash her or anybody else. Another, another fruit now of this root is passive-aggressive behavior. Now, here's what passive-aggressive behavior is. You know, again, when we have a problem with someone, we walk up to that person and say, Hey, love you. I need to talk. There's something bothering me. That's the functional way to deal with it. Passive-aggressive behavior means two things. I'm not going to do something for you I know you want me to do. And I'm going to do something I know you don't want me to do. Okay. So I, I know that you have certain needs that you want to have met. I'm not going to meet them. I am passively being aggressive with you. I'm not being aggressive with you in the sense that I'm coming up and saying, you're, you know, you're, you're ugly and your mom addresses you funny. You know, that's, that's aggressive. That's frontal. I'm coming to you and I'm saying, you know, to you, Something I know you don't want me to say. I'm going to do something I don't know. I know you don't want me to eat chips in bed, so I'm going to bring them all to bed. And I'm not going to say a word about it because I just know it annoys you. You know, I'm not going to do something I know you want me to do. I'm going to do something I know you don't want me to do. And what I'm trying to do is get back at you. And again, it's dysfunctional. It's not honest. It's not the right way to behave. And again, it's something that you may have been trained into. Most damage with their mouth, the most abusive with their mouth, it goes back to a wound from their past. That they won't forgive. Well, what's the answer? Forgiveness. You, you have to go back. You, you have to understand, regardless of who hurts you, the person you're married to is going to get the worst of it. Uh, it may be a person dead that wounded you, but you're going to hurt, your, hurt people, hurt people. And so I go back and you say, how do I forgive? Let me tell you how to forgive. First of all, you release that person from your judgment. See, we're not qualified to judge. God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. He's... God is the only person who has the qualifications to judge another person. When, when you have hate, some people have been so badly abused, sexually, physically, verbally. They've been so unbelievably abused that it explains how messed up they are. We had a guy in our church, one of the weirdest guys I've ever met. And I just kept thinking, this guy is so weird. And one day I was talking to him and I just thought, why, are he, why is he so weird? And he, he was smiling one day. I was talking to him. He had this weird smile on his face. And I thought, he is the weirdest human I've ever met in my life. And so we're, we're sitting there talking. And he smiled. He was smiling at me. He said, Pastor Jimmy, I know, that, I know you know I have a problem with authority. And I said, yeah. And he was like, most rebellious human I've ever met in my life. And he said, uh, I had 11 stepfathers. I said, what? He said, 11 stepfathers, Pastor Jimmy. And I was abused by several of them very badly. He said, I struggle with trust. We were friends from that moment forward. And an instant before that, I thought, you're the weirdest guy I've ever known. The next instant, I thought, it's amazing how normal he is based on what he's been through. See, what I found out a long time ago, I'm just not qualified to judge other people. And so I've got to give that to the Lord and bless them. And bless them. The blessing, I release the judgment to God. And I, there are several sayings I love. Forgiveness doesn't make them right. It just makes me free. And until we let our past die, God won't let our future live. And I, I like that. 
And when we go back into our past, all of us have been hurt. But we have to come to a place that we stop letting that anger reside within us and hurt other people through us. Maybe our spouse hurt us. Maybe it's an ex-spouse hurt us, whatever. The fruits of that, though, are all kinds of bad stuff. So we have to get that out. Another root is insecurity. And our security should be in God. We're all, every person's insecure, I believe. I, I don't think anyone, I don't think there's anyone that doesn't deal with some level of insecurity. When we got married, Karen and I were both insecure, but Karen was outwardly insecure. And the fruits of that, first of all, lack of affection and giving. I couldn't, uh, I could not be verbally affectionate with Karen when we first met, physically either for that matter. And it was, it was mistraining, number one. But the other thing, it was just insecurity on my part. I have a friend, and the way here's, here's the way he talks to his wife. If he says to his wife, pass the ketchup, I would say, hey, Karen, would you pass the ketchup? Here's what, here's what my friend would say. You most gorgeous human on the planet. Love of my life, would you please pass me the ketchup? And when I hear him, I'm just thinking, why can't I do that? But he's more secure. That's why. I mean, insecurity causes you to be overly sensitive. It causes you to be dishonest. Not dishonest as in telling lies, but dishonest as in not telling the truth. Because I'm insecure. I'm afraid of what you're going to do if I tell the truth. Uh, Fear, motivation, all that type of thing. The answer is putting your security in God. We're all insecure without God. In fact, if you're secure without God, you're deceived. You shouldn't be secure. My security is in God. Pursuing God and making my security in Him, rather my security being in you. The Lord changes everything when we have an active daily relationship with Him. We take our fears and hurts and insecurity to Him, and we become secure in God. That's the answer for that. And number four, root, is ignorance. Is just being ignorant, ignorant of your spouse, ignorant of how to you know, resolve conflict and things like that which causes frustration and stress. Karen used to say things to me. I didn't understand women. I was completely ignorant concerning women. And I didn't understand Karen's need for security. And I didn't understand that she was a normal woman. And Karen used to say things to me, and here's what I would say. That's crazy, Karen. She's crazy. And I would get so frustrated with her because I was just ignorant of the opposite sex. I was ignorant of her needs. And out of my ignorance, I would just say things that were so insensitive and so, so wrong. I was in, you know, one of a woman's most important needs is the need for uh, security. And so I didn't know that. I just thought she ought to be just like me. And because she wasn't, she was weird. But I also had a counseling situation where there was a man in there. This is a young man, maybe about 40 years old. And this, this man and woman were in for counseling. And um, they had had a lot of fights, a lot of real severe fights. And uh, because she wouldn't give him sex. And um, so they were in, in my office, and we were talking, and she, she turned, and he said, Honey, I need sex. I mean, I'm, I'm being pure. I'm being faithful to you, but I need sex. I don't understand why you won't give it to me. And she looked at him and said, It's because I don't want to have sex with you. I just don't want it. There was no marital problem. There was not a need in, in her that he was not meeting. He was a very attentive husband. But her, her response, not understanding, is one of the most profound needs in a man's life. And meeting each other's needs, we need to understand we almost never have the same need at the same time. If you have the same needs at the same time, you just need to take a picture of it and worship it the rest of your life. Okay. It's just, you know, 
is a good marriage is two servants in love. A good marriage is, honey, what do you need? Doesn't matter if I need it. Doesn't matter if I understand it. Honey, what do you need? I'll, I'll meet your needs. But when we're ignorant of the opposite sex, and see what happens is, is a lot of times, you know, the, there's, there's the old saying that marriage is about becoming one. The question is, which one? <laughs> is we get married and there's just vie for who, who's going to win and who, whose house it's going to be and which personality it's going to, you know, be. It's both. Marriage is a win-win situation. We both get our needs met. But when you're ignorant of the opposite sex and you're ignorant of how God made marriage, it'll cause you to say and do things that are very harmful. And this, this uh, woman, for an example, she's a good woman. She wasn't a bad woman. She didn't mean to hurt her husband. She thought there was something wrong with him because he wanted more sex than she did. She was ignorant of the fact that she married a normal man. And his sexual needs kept drawing him back to her. It's, it's a magnet that God put in men that keeps drawing them back to their wives. God gave men the need for sex and women the gift of sex. It's a wonderful thing. So we need to understand each other and meet each other's needs. And here's the last one is pride. It's, and this is kind of the original sin of marriage, but pride. And some of the fruits of pride are blame transfer, not taking responsibility for uh, my problems, dominance. And another one is being unteachable. Teachability always precedes success. Having a teachable spirit, always whatever you're teachable in is what you're going to be successful at because you're humble. You show me a wealthy person who's been wealthy for very long, and I'll show you someone who has financial advisors all around them. You show me someone who is chronically successful in marriage, I'll show you someone who reads and listens and pursues information. But you show me someone who is chronically unsuccessful in anything, and I'll show you someone with pride and an unteachable spirit. And even in the midst of their failure, they think they know more than others. And humility and teachability always precedes success. This program today is really on how not to communicate. It's dysfunctional communication. It's called Don't Talk to Me Like That. We're just talking about the way that we talk to each other. And, you know, communication is a wonderful thing if you're doing it correctly, but if you're doing it incorrectly, it can be very, very hurtful, very frustrating. Mm -hmm. We, I think everybody's experienced that. And we have some questions, Karen, from some mm -hmm. of our viewers. My wife and I are so different. I understand she doesn't have the same needs as me, but she's disappointed me so much, I don't want to try anymore. Yeah, she doesn't have your needs. And mm -hmm. it says she's disappointed you so much. Um, let me talk about one of our resources, which is Marriage on the Rock. And I talk about the different needs of men and women, and, and it sounds like you're very frustrated that you're not getting your needs met. Your wife probably isn't getting hers met either. When you and I got married, Karen, I didn't understand that men and women were different. Mm -hmm. And so I was very frustrated with you because I just thought you were weird. I just thought you were very beautiful, but you're extremely weird because you're not like me. And so I just kept trying to browbeat you and try to make you be like me, mm -hmm. and it just didn't work. Mm -hmm. And so the... The four needs of a man are respect and sex and friendship with his wife and domestic support. Okay. But the four needs of a woman are security, open and honest communication, soft non-sexual affection and leadership. And so are you meeting your wife's needs? And so you, you're, you say she's disappointed me so much. You're disappointing her too. I can promise you that. Mm -hmm. Your, your wife needs you to help her to feel secure. And that means that you lay your life down for her, that you let her know 
that she's the most important thing in your life mm-hmm. and that you're talking to her patiently and that you're affectionate with her and that you're the leader of the home. Once your wife has her needs met, you'll be surprised mm-hmm. uh, how she responds to meeting your needs. And you can tell her what your needs are, and that's important. But sometimes it's just a battle, Karen, mm-hmm. where people get married. We did this. We get married, and, and you, you know, there, the, some, well, some, someone said marriage is about becoming one. The question is, which one? <laughs> and a lot of times people get married, and they just start in this fight mm-hmm. of shaming each other, rejecting each other, and trying to conform the other person in their image. It just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. We're two halves of a whole. When we respect each other and understand each other, this is how marriage works. Mm-hmm. It's, it's wonderful. When you don't do it that way, it, it does become very frustrating. So I say this, husband, focus on yourself and not on your wife. That's Meet good. her needs. Maybe this question for you, Karen. Karen, you said that you were passive aggressive when you were angry at Jimmy. How can you honor your husband and not internalize anger at the same time? <laughs> well, actually, it was God that changed me because I kind of got tired of my moodiness. <laughs> it's like, you know, you, you do. You get really tired of just... You know, what would happen is you would do something and because you could out talk me, I would be convinced that, you know, you were right and I was wrong. And I'd, I'd get away from the situation. I'd think, the more I think about this, the more I think this is just not fair. And I just let stew and stew. And then I'd get over it. And then something else would happen and something else would happen. And then all of a sudden I would just explode or I would take it out on the kitchen cabinets or, you know, take the car and drive all over the place or, you know, just do things just to get away from the situation. But my anger was still there. You know, I'm still using that volatile thing that's not good. And so, you know, if you have that as your issue, you know, I would just recommend, you know, just being honest before the Lord, first of all, and just telling the Lord, you know, you don't want to have anger, that you do want to deal with, you know, things righteously and do it right. Because, you know, in the end, no one wins. I mean, no. you don't, and then the person you're being passive aggressive with is, you know, they lose respect for you. And so, um, you know, just be honest and then just pray about it. And then just, you know, be, when you have issues come up, make them short and simple. You know, if something's bothering me, don't let it go on and on and on. Just say, right. you know, short accounts, keep my heart pure. And then just talk about it in a normal, normal way with your husband. And, and I agree with everything you just said. And it sure helps when your spouse lets you be honest. Yeah. And exactly. uh, I think one of the reasons that you were passive aggressive for so long was too, because I wasn't a safe place. Mm-hmm. And when you complained, I wasn't patient. I wasn't sympathetic with what you were saying. So you, you one of the reasons you were passive aggressive was trying to communicate mm-hmm. with me how frustrated you mm-hmm. were. That's a good answer. We hope this program today has been helpful for you. We're only able to come to you right now because the precious people who have stood with us financially. Would you consider giving your most generous gift right now to help us here at Marriage Today? Take our message across America and around the world. You have information on your screen, uh, phone numbers on your screen. You can call and use your bank card to give. You can go on our secure website there and give that way, or you can mail your gift. Our address is there on your screen. Thank you for watching today, and thank you for standing with us financially. We have some more information to watch this.